welcome to all of you. If you've not met me before, my name is Nick, Nick Kimmons, uh, and I'm one of the pastors here. It is great to meet you on camera and in the room this morning. And it's an interesting one to be starting back uh, by being in this space together as a bit of a new season and also to be online because you might be glad that you're sat with a mask today or that you're sat at home with the screen between us because the conversation today is vulnerability. <laughs> and um, vulnerability is not really a topic or a conversation that many of us find very comfortable to talk about. And so what's great for you guys in the room is that I have no idea how you're feeling as I'm talking about vulnerability. You could be absolutely feeling super confident about being vulnerable or hate it, and, and I won't really know. And if at home, you could be sat there like this, and I'll think that you're sat at home going, yes, Nick, this is real wisdom, keep speaking. So that is the subject today, and it is part of our family reunion series. Now, we're talking about family reunion because we want to see our relationships thriving. And we believe that when people come together and connect, something beautiful happens. And that doesn't have to be in the room or face to face, it can be uh, in a digital way. But we honestly believe that as now some of the lockdown measures have, have been lifting and we're allowed to see some friends and some family, that actually we are being invited into a season as a church community to connect with one another in a deeper and more vulnerable way. And that's what I wanna speak about this morning. And we mustn't be fooled into thinking that just because we can physically be in the same room, that that means we are connected. There were many people who before this pandemic were not connected, they were disconnected. And many of us will know the feeling of being in a room and feeling incredibly lonely, even if you're surrounded by people. I'm sure I'm not alone in feeling that, that sometimes it can be the case you can have people all around you and you can still feel disconnected. And so we mustn't be fooled into thinking that just because we can see some people now, this will solve the problem. It, as far as I'm concerned, it takes intention. We have to lean in and intentionally look at how we connect with people because it probably won't just happen by accident. Now at Ashford Vineyard, you will have seen it on pretty much everything we put out uh, online and in this building that we think we have a mandate to bring life to Ashford. That's what we're here to do. Chris and I never moved here to grow a church or to make something that looks like church. We came here because we felt God had given us an adventure which is go and bring life to Ashford and help people see how loved they are, how championed they are, and how much he is for them. And that is totally impossible to be able to do without connection. It's just impossible. You can't bring life to someone without connecting with them in some way. And this was modeled throughout the Bible. It's modeled by Jesus in how he lived. And one of the things that I've been learning is that family is the culture of God's kingdom. And what I mean by that is that God has set himself up as a father, not as some big leader in the sky, some big dictator. He set himself up as a father and that family is the culture of God's way of doing things. So I'm gonna start by talking about someone who is an absolute expert on this. And when Chris knew that I was gonna talk about vulnerability, he, he joked and said, 
We're going to hear about Brene, aren't we? And I was like, yes, we are. Uh, For those of you who have never heard of a lady called Brene Brown, she is wonderful. You may have heard of her because she is a, she's a professor, um, a social worker. She has done um, over two decades of research where she's dedicated her life to studying courage, vulnerability, shame, and empathy. And I first came across her when I watched her TED Talk, which was called The Power of Vulnerability. And this is now the fifth most, one of the top five most watched TED Talks ever. Over 45 million views have taken place. And if you watch it, it's not very long. I'd really encourage you to. Basically, she says in a second TED Talk, she hates being vulnerable, hates talking about vulnerability in front of people. And a friend said, oh, no one will watch it. Don't worry. And then she basically does this talk. And now 45 million people have watched her talking about it but she really knows her stuff. And this is what she did. She wanted to figure out what the core meaning of life for people. She wanted to work out what is the reason that gives everyone meaning in life. And she interviewed thousands and thousands of people. And she wanted to find it out irrespective of background or race or gender or education. She wasn't interested in finding out the things that make one section of community or culture tick. She wanted to know what what is at the core of everybody. And this is what, in her words, she found. She discovered everyone, everyone, irrespective of background, race, gender, education, everyone is neurobiologically wired for connection. That's what she discovered. And what she ended up finding was that we need relationships. We need relationships. And so if every human is wired for connection, and we all need it, how come so many of us are disconnected and feel connected? If it's that simple and that's what we need. So she went on to do two years studying just that thing. And she basically said, the thing that gets in the way more than anything else of us getting connection is shame. And she described shame as being something that's like the fear of being found out. That we hold ourselves back from people because we think if they found that out about me, if they saw me for who I really was, they wouldn't want to know me or they might reject me. And so that's what stops us connecting, is we hold back bits of ourselves because we think, I don't really want to be fully seen. If I'm fully seen and fully known, what if someone sees that and they don't like it? And that is a really vulnerable place to be. And what she found out was that if two groups of people, she said everyone experiences shame at some point, but she said there are two groups of people. There are the people that experience shame and get stuck in it, and keep feeling disconnected. And then there are the group of people who experience shame and move out of that and find a way to have great relationships with people. And she found there was one single thing which meant that people were able to move out of that disconnection, and that was vulnerability. And you'll see this quote that will come up on the screen, which is, she describes it as this, vulnerability is the ability to be seen and known, or as she puts it, the ability to let go of who we think we should be so that we can be who we really are. And that is living authentically. Being who you really are. And it all comes from a belief that you are worthy of being loved.
So some questions for you to think about this morning. Uh, how good are you at being seen and known with all your flaws and imperfections? How good are you at letting people really see you? One of the ways that you can know is to answer this question. How easy do you find it to ask for help without having a bit of self-judgment that goes on? That you can say, I need help, and then afterwards you think, oh, they probably think this about me now. I should have been able to do that on my own. I shouldn't need to ask for help. And, and the reason this is so rife is I'm sure you will have friends and family who you find out after something's happened that they were in crisis or there was a disaster or they were really struggling or they'd had a terrible day or something really bad had happened and you only found out afterwards. And when you say to them, why didn't you tell me? This is why. Because vulnerability is costly and it, has, it makes us seen. And when we have to say to someone, I'm not okay, that really costs you. And it means that you've made yourself vulnerable to somebody else. Now, one of the most famous Bible verses in the Bible is found in Matthew 22. And it says this, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now there is a horrible truth that I find in this, which is my capacity to love others is hinged on my capacity to love myself. I find loving other people quite easy. I find lavishing attention or affection on other people or telling them how great they are quite easy. But what if that was limited by how well I can love myself and the things that I say about myself. God is saying here, if you wanna love like me, if you wanna love like Jesus, you have to start by being able to love yourself. And it's out of that and knowing who you are that you can start to love well. So how do we get from a place where we can take all our imperfections, all our shame and be like, ah, oh, but I can't, I can't be vulnerable. Well, God turns this totally on its head. And in the book of Isaiah, it says this, Isaiah 61, seven to eight. This is what God says. God says, instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. There is such power in that. There is such power in the fact that he's not just saying, I'll take your shame away. You don't have to be ashamed around me. God is saying, I'll take your shame away and in return, you give me your shame and in return, I will give you a double portion of honor. I'll give you everlasting joy. What an exchange. What an incredible exchange. He turns it totally on its head. And the wonder in this truth is that it was never meant just for us to keep to ourselves. We are a community of people at Ashford Vineyard that believe in loving well and bringing life to people in Ashford and in our day to day. And that comes from knowing we are worthy of love, God is for us, we are loved, and then we can show other people what that is like. Now, I, I'm a podcast listener. I like to listen to podcasts when I'm in the car or just when I'm out and about. 
And uh, this week, I found a podcast I've never listened to before. Uh, it's quite random. It was a podcast for creatives in business. So people who are creative, they're ideas people. Um, and it was about this podcast that helps people take their creativity and then deliver something with it. Um, and in it, this guy was interviewing a lady called Catherine Dyer. And he was interviewing her, and it was all about this issue of vulnerability and connection. And she is a cancer survivor. She'd had a very difficult story of fighting to get a diagnosis. It took a long time. She'd experienced loss and grief. It had been a really tough time. And in that time, she had discovered that there was something small she could do that made her feel alive. And what she discovered is wherever she went, she intentionally looked for an opportunity to connect with people on a deeper level. And she said, the supermarket is my zen place. That's what she said. And basically, she said she loves the supermarket because she's constantly able to meet people that don't know her, she's never met before, and she has these really short opportunities. She told a story about saying to the lady on the checkout, I love your necklace. That's where it started, I love your necklace. And out of that came a conversation where this lady disclosed that she had had cancer. All of this whole interaction happened in minutes, and she was able to encourage her and give her hope. Now, what I love about her story was that she describes herself on the podcast as being painfully shy. And I think sometimes we think that connecting with people means we have to be an extrovert or have to be confident. But she took her, her shyness and did it on one-to-one -one with people. And it was transformative for her because her grandma had said this to her before she died. Her grandma said, Catherine, you have got to know that you are worthy of being loved. And this came from a quite a painful thing for her, which was that her dad, so the grandma's son, her dad, she describes as being a man that doesn't really show his emotions. And she said, and this quote, I was driving along, I was driving to, um, I'm a speech therapist, I was driving to an appointment, uh, and I almost had to stop at this moment in the car, and her quote said, I was always left guessing whether he loved me. I was always left guessing whether he loved me. And she said, I think I knew that he did, but I never had the absolute evidence that he did, because he never told me. And her dad didn't do vulnerability and didn't show his emotions. And she took that on as a mandate for herself to say, I am going to leave the people I encounter in no doubt that they are loved. I'm not going to leave them guessing. I'm going to talk to them in a way that leaves them feeling seen and loved. So what does the Bible say about this deeper level connection, a connection that goes past the, hey, how are you? Fine. You fine? I'm fine. Like that connection that happens thousands of times a day. How's things in your life? Great. Inside, you're dying, you're anxious, you're struggling, you're upset about something. What comes out of your mouth? Fine. I'm totally fine. But what does the Bible say about this deeper connection, which brings us life? Well, 1 John 1 says this, uh, six to seven. If we claim that we share life with him, Jesus, but keep walking in the realm of darkness, we're fooling ourselves and not living the truth. But if we keep living in the pure light that surrounds him, we share unbroken fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from sin. Now there's a word in here um, 
which is fellowship, which is a word that Chris and I, if you use this word around us, you'll see us have like a slightly physical reaction to it. Because fellowship has become this really diluted, churchy word. Like, should we have fellowship with one another? It's like, why don't we have dinner? You know, that makes more sense in mind. Fellowship has become this slightly odd word that only gets used in churches and has become diluted to mean spending time together. But that is absolutely not what it means in the original translation in the Bible. It's not about hanging out with other Christians. Fellowship comes from the word, a Greek word called koinonia, and it basically is an active word. It means fully participating and partnering. It doesn't mean hanging out. It means fully immersing your life and sharing it with others. That's what fellowship means. Not hanging out, drinking tea, and saying, you okay, I'm fine. That is not fellowship. That's not what it is. It means sharing our hearts with other people openly. It's the same word that's used in Acts 2.42, where it says, every believer was faithfully devoted to following the teaching of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. I find it really fascinating that it mentions koinonia, or this deep connection and sharing, at the same significance it's mentioning teaching and prayer. As Christians, we can get a little bit tied up sometimes in, how am I a good Christian? I read the Bible and I pray. What if it was, yes, reading the Bible's great, yes, praying's great, but where are you pouring your life into other people? It says that too, and it's like sometimes we go across with some tipex. I'm showing my age. Does tipex even exist anymore? Okay, okay. So for those younger people out there, it's like white stuff you paint over your writing. I don't even think you're allowed to use it in schools anymore. Anyway, it's a bit like we go to that bit of the Bible and we say prayer, yes. Teaching, yes. Pouring our lives deeply into connecting with other people. No, I'm not so comfortable with that. But God says this is what matters. These are the things that matter. Why was the early church so strong? Because it had koinonia. It had this way of connecting deeply with one another. And then there's Hebrews 13. Starts one to two and then jumps to 16, which says, keep on loving one another as brother and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. It's the same word, koinonia, it's the same thing again, this sharing your life with people. And what I particularly love from the writer of Hebrews is that they acknowledge that this comes at a sacrifice. It's not easy. When you, when you choose to be vulnerable with people, it costs you and it's sacrificial. And it means you have to show up. And it means you have to show up and take the energy and the time. And very quickly, and I'm sure she won't mind me sharing it, she's here. We recently reminisced with um, Liz Thatcher, who many of you know. She's been around Asher Vineyard for a while. We recently reminisced about our first meeting with Liz and how I'd met, they'd come along to a Sunday, Liz and Alan, and then um, I'd met her for coffee and in doing so was chatting and I said, why don't um, we do dinner? And Liz really kindly said, absolutely, come to our house for dinner. And then I go home and I say to Chris, we're going for dinner at the Thatcher's. And Chris was like, who? And I was like, it's these people, you saw them on the Sunday, they seem really lovely. 
And at that time in our lives, we were busy, busy, busy. We were meeting lots of people and all the rest. And you know, sometimes you just want to sit on the sofa and watch telly and not have to talk to someone you don't know and find out about their life and like do life with them. It was one of those things where we were like, okay, well, let, let's go. And Liz knows this, so this is not breaking any confidence. We did the whole, let's go. And after dinner, if it's not really going very well, we can just slip out uh, and then, you know, it'll be fine. But we showed up and we went. And do you know what? It is no understatement to say that dinner has changed our lives. <laughs> Seriously changed our lives because I cannot imagine my life now without Liz and Alan and Karen and Shane and the rest of the Thatcher gang in it. But do you know what? If we'd have not taken the sacrifice of just sitting in front of the telly that night, we may never have got to see the kingdom break out in Asher Vineyard in the way that Liz does it when she comes and works in the office here. I feel for all the Tesco delivery drivers who think they're just coming to deliver food, but every time they turn up in the car park, she's like, tell me about your life. And then she prays for them, and then she just meets with them in a really amazing way. But it's, sometimes it takes effort and energy, and sometimes you don't want to do it. But when you show up and we connect with people, amazing things happen. I'm hoping Liz is also so grateful that we did turn up for dinner that night. Yeah. <laughs> And I want to finish really with this, which is, this one's for the men. I was preparing this talk, and I could find hundreds of stories and quotes from women talking about vulnerability. I'm struggling to find stories and quotes from men talking about vulnerability. It doesn't mean they don't exist. But I think there can, and this is a big generalization, so I'm not looking or talking to anyone in particular. There's this generalization that vulnerability is just easier for women. That's what the women do. Vulnerability, look how easy they find it to be vulnerable. And so I found two men who I know who are really vulnerable and their lives are changing as a result of it. And I asked them to tell me in their own words, what does it mean to be vulnerable and be a man at the same point? And the first person that I'm going to read you what he said is Richie. And you'll see um, a picture of him appear on the screen. This is Richie. Richie and his wife, Lisa, and Grace, their daughter, come along to this church. If you ever have the privilege of meeting Richie, ask him to just tell you a bit of his story. It is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. This is what Richie said about vulnerability. As a young boy, I was taught and learned to be a closed book, to not let anyone in and know what's going on. Vulnerability was seen as weakness, and people who were somewhat vulnerable were seen as prey. It wasn't the man thing to do, like ask for help, admit you're in trouble, that you couldn't manage. These ideas, thoughts, and belief systems kept me trapped in a false reality. So when my life internally and externally was twisted and mangled, I was stuck as I couldn't let anyone in. Having that experience, I ended up coming to the end of myself, my ideas, my little designs and plans. The only way forward was to get vulnerable and let others in and see the real me, which wasn't comfortable and easy, but a necessary part of the process which allowed me to reach out and ask for help and receive it. This totally transformed me as a human being. And it wasn't about gaining anything. It was a process of losing things belief systems, prejudice, and ideas which revolutionized this world as I knew it. 
I see vulnerability as a strength today. When I'm open and honest and with self and others, I tap into something beyond myself and open up to that connection. I see this vulnerability in a lot of men who've tried to live their lives and end up empty and stuck. This has played out in the transformation and change within them. I would say to someone who's not tried being vulnerable, and here's the challenge from Richie, I would say to someone who has not tried being vulnerable, what are you afraid of? One of my favorite scriptures is found in 2 Corinthians 12:9. God's power in my weakness. Richie says, today I can accept I'm flawed and I don't have all the answers. I guess what I'm saying is I've stopped trying to play God. It's powerful, right? And then many of you will have met Herbie. If you've met him, you won't have forgotten him. Um, Herbie is a dear friend and he is also a man that has been on a journey of discovery when it comes to vulnerability. I love that picture of him, it brings me great joy. Herbie says this, making myself vulnerable as a man allows others to fully see who I am, but with anything comes risk, rejection, misunderstanding, and the possibility of being hurt. Being vulnerable takes me out of the introspective hidden places and gives me the possibility of finding others who face exactly the same things that I do. Vulnerability can expel fear of man. Vulnerability can set me on a path to freedom and finding help. I never really talk to men about being vulnerable. I show them by being vulnerable, which in turn, they then can be vulnerable with me because they see no judgment from me as I am transparent in my vulnerability. What I love about both of those is they say, this costs you, but it's so worth it. And we need to finish, but I want to set you a couple of challenges to think about. What would it look like for you to start pouring your lives into other people and connecting more deeply with them in this week, this afternoon, this month? What would it look like for you to take courage and intentionally find opportunities like Catherine does, that lady in all the supermarkets, where you just take the time to notice people and you're brave enough to connect with them. What would it look like if you knew that you were first seen and known and loved by God, and that's where your identity comes from that allows you to be seen and known and loved by others as well? So let's pray. Uh, do you feel free to stand? Father, we thank you so much that you are not a God who has wired us to be robotic, that you have not wired us to go it alone, to fight our own battles, to keep hidden, but that you have designed us to be fully seen, fully known, fully loved. And you are inviting us to pour our lives into others so that we might bring life to them in the same way too. But I thank you that it first comes from you. And just as we're stood, just with eyes closed and at home, joining us at home, if you are listening this morning and you have never said a yes to Jesus, you've never said, I feel I can be fully known, fully seen, fully loved by Jesus, then just join me in praying this prayer now. God, I offer myself to you today. I say yes to being seen, yes to being known, 
and yes to being loved by you. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer for the very first time today, then we would love to connect with you after the service, either online, you can jump across to church online in the comments, um, there'll be the details of how to do that. We'd love to connect with you and pray with you there. Um, and if you're in the room, we'd love to be able to do that with you here in the service. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for all the people connecting with us now and connecting with us as they watch the live stream in days and weeks to come. Help us to be a people who model vulnerability and love well. Thank you, Father. Amen. So that's it from us today. Um, we're so glad you joined us. We hope you have a brilliant week and we look forward to seeing you again at something soon. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.